I'm Jeff Grody with Grody Ranch in Mason, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you back with us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, issues on the border continue. Farmers and ranchers there are fighting a daily battle, and it's taking up a lot of law enforcement resources, including our Texas Special Rangers, who deal with livestock and farm theft. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For many people, when there's reason to celebrate, it's time to break out the wine. But on one Texas Panhandle farm, the wine itself is the reason to celebrate. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As Texas cattle ranchers deal with the challenges of the drought, by selling off many of their livestock at local auction facilities, there is good news on beef exports for the month of May. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those record-breaking numbers on Texas Ag Today. The Bermuda grass stem maggot is a pest of Bermuda grass hayfields and pastures. The larva or maggot feeds in the top shoots of the Bermuda grass, causing the top two to three leaves to turn brown or white. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The ongoing flood of illegal immigration coming in through our southern border is pulling a lot of law enforcement resources down to South Texas. And that includes our special rangers who deal with livestock and farm theft. Stephen Diebel is second vice president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, and he says the border issue is keeping their special rangers busy. Well, our rangers, you know, obviously they're directly involved with with our members, um, especially when it comes to drive throughs going through fences, cattle getting mixed up. So one can only imagine, you know, their their workload has increased because of, you know, there's there's many, many folks right right there on the border their gates and fences are are open every day you know there's some of those members down there he said he's he's not quite sure exactly you know what's where and that seems hard to believe but when it happens on a daily basis it's it's a tough deal and the special rangers are involved in more than just livestock theft you're absolutely right the rangers not only do they get brought in on some of the theft uh, issues but the livestock location issues and getting mixed up with other livestock and, and livestock on the roads you know it's it's a big deal tsera recently formed a border security task force to help address the issues that cattlemen are facing on the border the U.S. Department of Agriculture is accepting offers for more than 3.1 million acres from agricultural producers and private landowners through this year's Conservation Reserve Program Grassland Sign-Up. That's the highest number of acres in history. The sign-up results include more than 246,000 acres here in Texas. 
The program allows producers and landowners to continue grazing and haying practices while protecting grasslands and promoting plant and animal biodiversity and conservation. The big drop in cotton prices has caught everyone by surprise, with new crop cotton dropping from around $1.25 to below $0.90. Dr. Gary Adams, CEO of the National Cotton Council, says he believes the fundamental factors supporting the market are still strong. It looks like it's some things were happening maybe on the technical side. Some of the specs that were in long liquidated some positions, and that put some pressure on cotton. And it did other commodity markets as well, because if you look at fundamentals, those are still supportive of cotton prices. We've got some production problems in the U.S. with the drought conditions in Texas, and those are starting to spread to some degree and with dry conditions in the Mid-South and the Southeast. I think the one thing we're going to continue to watch is, can we keep strength in demand? Because there are concerns about the pressure on consumers right now, given the inflation that we see in food and fuel prices. Adam says it's always tough to keep cotton prices above a dollar, but hopefully the market will hit a bottom and bounce back. Texas produces some mighty fine wines. James Hunt visits with a Texas panhandle farmer who has taken the plunge into the wine grape business. With his family farm facing the kind of water challenge common to Texas High Plains agriculture, Steve Yoder of Dalhart says the time came to make a major move. We were looking for a crop that we could do a smaller acreage, mainly because the aquifer is a declining aquifer. And if we want to stay here and make a living as a family, we can't continue to do the same thing that we're doing now because we don't have enough water to grow as much corn as what we used to Ultimately, the crop the Yoder family turned to was grapes for wine production. We started planting in 2015. We planted some more in 2016, and then we finished in 2017. We haven't planted any since then. So the 2015 plants, they're getting a little bit of age on them, and they're starting to produce quite well. Even the 2017s now. Certain varieties, we're still trying to get there, but some of the varieties will be full production this year. Wine grapes are a high-value crop, but as you just heard Yoder explain, it takes a while for the crop to reach maturity. Although there is a fall harvest for grapes, you don't replant them every spring. The grape vines remain in place year-round, year after year. That fact has presented challenges on the Yoder farm, as the cultivation process has encountered some hitches related to the cold winter conditions the Dalhart area is prone to. We've had some freeze back to where everything above the ground was pretty much froze and ruined in the wintertime from like a 10 below event or something like that. And so you've trained a plant up and everything and it's all dead. You cut it off and then a new growth comes up from the roots. The roots are not dead. The Yoders have persisted through such setbacks. And as you'll hear in our next report, they've gone from simply growing grapes to selling their own wine. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Beef exports continue to set new monthly records. Tom Nicoletti tells us we're setting both volume and value records this year. There's good news for Texas beef producers representing the largest cattle production state in the nation. U.S. beef exports set new volume and value records in May. That according to the latest data released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Here is USMEF President and Chief Executive Officer Dan Hallstrom. The May 2022 export stats, again on beef, continue to be record-breaking. We exceeded $1 billion in value again in the month of May to an all-time record high. Also record-breaking on a volume basis. 
broad-based growth once again. It's not any one market. Of course, you know, we continue to see growth out of China, but we have other parts of the world, Indonesia, Philippines, Caribbean region, places like Colombia, all showing significant growth. You know, one of the things we're always focused upon on both the beef and pork side is market diversification. We're trying to create incremental growth in some newer markets. And, uh, you know, we have a record month in May, and that's with two of our larger markets, Japan and Korea, both being down slightly on volume. So uh, the strategy is working in really exploring and investing in some of these new regions around the world. That is USMEF President and CEO Dan Hallstrom. Meanwhile, USMEF reports that while May pork exports were well below last year's large totals, shipments were the largest of 2022 in both volume and value, led by a strong performance in Mexico, Dominican Republic, and Colombia. U.S. lamb exports continue to trend higher in May as well, led by growth in the Caribbean and Mexico. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We grow a lot of Bermuda grass in East Texas, but forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says there's a Bermuda grass pest that can cause a lot of damage. The Bermuda grass stem maggot is native to South Asia and only infests Bermuda grass and star grass. The adult stage of the Bermuda grass stem maggot is a small yellow fly which lays its eggs on the stem of the Bermuda grass plant. Once the egg hatches, the maggot moves to the last or top node of the stem, burrows into the shoot, and consumes the plant material within the stem. The Bermuda grass stem maggot damage resembles frost or disease damage on the Bermuda grass canopy. Upon closer examination, the chlorosis is restricted to the top two to three leaves of each Bermuda grass tiller. The most characteristic sign is the ease at which these leaves can be pulled from the stem, revealing larval feeding damage within. The full-grown maggot is yellowish and about one-eighth of an inch long. Once the maggot completes feeding, it drops to the ground and enters the pupa stage. The adult fly later emerges from the pupa. The life cycle from egg to adult fly requires about three to four weeks, and there are several generations within a year. Management recommendations suggest that if damage is found, proceed to harvest the crop as soon as weather conditions allow. Once the damage becomes apparent, the crop is unlikely to add a significant amount of yield. Depending on the time of year and variety, damage can reach 80% yield loss. In Texas, yield loss has been estimated to be 8.9 pounds per acre of Bermuda grass dry matter loss for each percentage of stems with damage. The damaged crop should be cut and baled and removed from the field as soon as weather conditions allow. Leaving the damaged crop in the field will only compete with any attempts by the plant to regrow and decrease the opportunity that the next cutting will have time to accumulate dry matter. Maggots feeding in the stem will die once the crop is cut and dried for harvest. However, flies will emerge from pupa in the soil and reinfest the field. To protect the regrowth from infestation, apply a pyrethroid insecticide about seven days after cutting to kill any adult flies. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Depending on where you hunt this fall, the deer you see could have average, below average, or above average antlers. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more of this year's deer hunting season forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And omega-3 fatty acids can be beneficial to horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits, like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Omega-3 fatty acids can be beneficial to horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says the dosage needs to be high enough to make a difference. A recent study reported in the horse publication that a higher dose of omega-3 fatty acids is more important than length of treatment. Dr. Garrett Peterson from Cornell University indicates that horses consume some omega-3 fatty acids naturally in the forage they eat, but in certain situations they can benefit from supplementation. Supplementation has been reported to improve reproductive health of mares and stallions and has the potential for treating numerous equine diseases, including equine metabolic disease, inflammation of tissues around joints, and lower airway disease. Flaxseed is a common omega-3 fatty acid source for horses and mainly contains alpha-linolenic acid, and once it is in the horse's body, it must be converted to EPA and DHA two other types of fatty acids. It is unknown how well horses convert linolenic acid into EPA and DHA. However, to circumvent the need for fatty acids to change their form, a fish oil-based omega-3 source furnishes EPA and DHA directly without having to require a conversion. To test a fish oil supplement in horses, researchers fed a supplement for 12 weeks to one group that contained 7.5 grams of fish oil and another group received 15 grams of fish oil. Blood samples were taken at the beginning of the study, at six weeks, and again at the end of the study. The omega-3 concentration increased in all horses, and even more so with the larger doses. Also, the omega-6 concentrations decreased, which is good, as these are inflammatory. This indicates that the daily dose is more important than the length of time the supplement is given, and horses may respond better to a fish oil supplement than flaxseed. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The ongoing drought is going to affect the size of the deer you see this fall. But Jessica Domel tells us it may help your chances of seeing deer this year. There is good news for deer hunters in Texas. Despite the drought taking a toll on antler quality, body condition, and the fawn crop, harvest opportunities are likely to be good this year, especially on properties with year-round feeders and surface water. According to Alan Kane, Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, deer densities in the post-Oak Savannah region range from 33 to 70 deer per 1,000 acres. The highest population of deer in that area will be along the I-10 corridor from San Antonio to Houston. The northern portion of that region had a good spring, which Kane said should contribute to at least average fawn production. Antler quality there is expected to be about average. If you plan on hunting in the Piney Woods area, the highest deer density is around the I-4 
45 corridor. The density there is expected to be about 28 deer per 1,000 acres. Kane said, according to Buck Harvest Trends, about 51% of the bucks harvested are three and a half years old and older. Hunters should expect the same this year. Now, Kane says the eastern and western rolling plains generally have a lower deer population compared to other regions. The region has had a stable to increasing white-tailed deer population, but with lower than average fawn recruitment expected, the deer population this fall is expected to be relatively unchanged this year. Kane's forecast said there are likely to be more five and a half and six and a half year old bucks in the population compared to other ages. Because of large property sizes in the region and relatively light hunting pressure and more interest in deer management, harvest of older age class bucks is expected to continue. We'll have more on whitetail deer season as we approach the season opener in November. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a week of limit down and limit up moves for the cotton market. We'll take a look back at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market started out the week great. We moved sharply higher on Monday and Tuesday, but as we got to the end of the week, Thursday and Friday gave back a lot of those gains. On Friday, we ended up closing in the red on both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle dropped 47 cents to close the week at 134.92. October down 37 cents at 139.55. December live cattle down 87, 145.42. The feeder cattle market managed to climb above 180 on our nearby contracts, but we couldn't hang on to that. We lost ground again on Friday with August live cattle down 255, 176.35. September feeders down $1.95 at 179.67, while October feeders were down $1.37, 182.45. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up the week on Friday, seeing most of our sales here in Texas at 137. That's steady with the previous week. Any cattle left on the show list Friday afternoon were priced at 138 or better. Boxed beef was steady to higher Friday afternoon. Choice up 82 cents, 268.57. Select unchanged at 241.91. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Texas neighbor, welcome back to Granny Marble's Kitchen Table. I'm Larry Marble. It's time for Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Benny Cox and producers in Cargyle had almost 8,000 head of sheep on Tuesday. Benny, how did it go? Uh, slaughter nanny, 70 to 121, mostly 97 to 112. Now, that's on the better flesh ones. We're still seeing some of those really thin goats that are bringing down there in that 50, 60 cent range. Slaughter billies from 130 to 184, but mostly 130 to 145-ish, you know, and that's way lower than we've seen in a number of years. You know, for a long time, about 170 be the low on those. 
the spread on those wolf eater lambs, and, and some of them weighed well over 100 pounds, you know, from 110 all the way to 163, but most of them kind of fell in that 130 to 145 right. Uh, slaughter lambs, uh, the light end of those hair sheep type from 160 to 226. Now, 226 is be probably some of those real neat little things that maybe put in the feed pen for a little while, mostly 130 to 180 on those. We didn't have some of those. We're pulling off some of those hair sheep uh, ewe lambs, and, and, and you know, and a bunch of those are going back to the country now. Uh, we sold some of those up to 245 um, You know, it'd be 40 or $50 lower than what we saw we should have. Uh, Slaughter you 70 to 114, but mostly 70 to 90 cent. Kid goats in a range from 170 to 314. It's pretty hard to get over $3 for any of them. Uh, they sell mostly in the $2 to $2.64 range, and those 264s would have been those real neat, you know, like 60 pounders or so. Uh, very, very few of those up there in that $3 mark that we're bringing, you know, here about three weeks ago, they've been bringing four, bring 414. So they're a dollar lower than the high three or four weeks ago. So there's nothing really pretty about this thing, but it was, you know, the, the like I say, the, the ethnic groups did all their, their holidays was uh, actually the night, which was Saturday in the last couple of days. And so they're pretty much out of the market. Most of these uh, people that made this market yesterday were people that had a place to stick some of those, especially those lightweights. And right. thank goodness for them. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of Benny Cox. Uh, they can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close mixed Friday. The nearby July was down two cents, one fourteen ninety. August hogs up twenty five at one oh nine eighty two. Class three milk was lower. July milk down nine twenty two fifty three a hundred weight, while August milk was down twenty four at twenty twelve a hundred. It was a tough week for the cotton market with limit down moves throughout most of the week. However, on Friday, things made a dramatic turn. It looks like a lot of the speculators were covering their short positions as well as some bargain buying coming in, trying to pick the bottom of the market. All of that helped to make a sharp jump in the market to the upside on Friday. We were limit up on the October contract. That's 500 points higher, 96.41. December cotton limit up 500 points to close the week at 88.71 cents. Not a lot of movement in the corn market on Friday. September corn was down three quarters, 604 and a quarter, while December corn was up two and a half, 603 and three quarters. A tough week for the wheat market. Five days in a row of lower closes. The dollar hit a 20-year high over the past week, and anytime you have a strong dollar, that hurts exports, and the wheat market was really feeling that over the past week. September Kansas City wheat down 11 and a quarter Friday, closing at 837 and a half, while September Chicago wheat dropped 18 and a quarter, 776 and three quarters. In the energy markets, August natural gas up 46 cents Friday, closing at 706. August crude oil up 207 at 9785 a barrel. The financial markets higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 608 points, 31,237. The Nasdaq up 185, 11,436. The S&P up 67 points at 3,858. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at TexasFarmBureau.org or TFBRadio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.